Good morning. Welcome to Connect Online this morning. Uh, we had to make a real tough decision earlier in the morning. We got to the school and the parking lot was just covered in ice. And uh, we just felt for your safety, the best thing to do this morning was to cancel the services. Uh, but thanks for tuning in online. You get to listen in now in the comfort of your home and hopefully you're warm and wrapped up here as you get to uh, watch the message online. Uh, we will be meeting next weekend, Christmas Eve. We have two services at 5.30 and 7, that's Saturday night. Sunday morning of next weekend, there will be no service. There will be no Sunday morning next, next, uh, no Sunday morning service next weekend, but we will have our Christmas Eve services uh, at 5.30 and 7. We want you and our volunteers to enjoy Christmas Day together as a family. And then the following Sunday is New Year's Day. And we're doing something very special that week. It's going to be a, a, a creative element that we've not done here at Connect before, but uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. We're going to send more information about that soon, but there will be no service at the school on New Year's Day. There will be no Sunday morning service at the school on New Year's Day. Like I said, we're going to do something a little bit different, and you'll hear about that here via email, social media, and through the app. So uh, stay tuned to those over these next couple of weeks. But now, enjoy this morning's message and check out this video. And we are pleased now to present the story of Christmas as told by kids. Who is Joseph? Joseph is uh, Jesus' stepdad. Um, okay, so the first Christmas was obviously a long time ago. And um, there's these two people, and they were like um, in their bedrooms, and this angel came to um, tell them that they were having a baby. And they didn't have a home, so they had to ride a camel. And the three, king, the three wise kings um, came to the stable, and uh, Mary and, and uh, Mary and Joseph had a baby Jesus. And what did the three wise men bring baby Jesus? Um, frankincense and myrrh and gold. <gasps> What's frankincense? What's myrrh? I don't know. What's gold? Gold is gold. <laughs> what did Jesus do when he grew up? He uh, went to heaven. What did he do before that? <laughs> God bless you. He, he, he told everyone that he's, he's a miracle maker. What kind of miracles have you seen? There's only one. It was today. What happened? I, I, I put a, a warm water napkin, I put it on this eye. What's it this eye? Which one? Which one? This eye? I, because you see from the side, it looks a little swollen. Yeah. It, it's a star. So I don't know about you, but I think one of my favorite parts of that video was that little guy there who just was really struggling with the idea of, of saying those words, frankincense and myrrh and gold. And the reality is, that's, that's tough for kids. That's pretty tough for you this morning. Like, what is frankincense? What is myrrh? Well, actually, frankincense is a perfume or an incense, and myrrh uh, was an anointing oil. That's right. Um, the wise men bought Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and oils. So some of you out there have already figured out that the wise men felt that Jesus needed some essential oils. 
Some of you have these oils, and you're like, see, I told you, these are great things. This is a gift that the wise men bought for Jesus, essential oils. In fact, I wonder if maybe um, someone, one of these wise men was thinking, hey, maybe I could get Jesus signed up, and he could start marketing his own oils and selling them to his friends. But I don't think the Bible actually uh, supports that. But, um, but these gifts, I just have to wonder, as Mary and Joseph were um, looking on and seeing these, these, these wise men who had traveled from so far, and then were given this baby, this, this infant child, these lavish gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they had to be looking on and thinking, why? What would, what would cause somebody to give a baby such incredible gifts? But little did they know that that Jesus, he was actually God's gift to us. In fact, the price that it cost Jesus in giving his life, as Jesus gave his life for us, that was a far greater value gift than that gold, that frankincense, and that myrrh. Because he came, he was God's gift to us. And that's the, um, the idea of the series we've been doing over these last few weeks is that love gives, that God loves us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus. In fact, we can read that together, can't we? In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was God's demonstration of love for us. You see, the reality is you can give and not love. Okay, you can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. You can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. It's easy, isn't it, just to kind of throw some coins in a bucket or to, to give uh, a gift to a colleague or a friend. But the reality is giving can be quite easy. You don't need to love to give. But it's very difficult to love someone and not show that love by giving. In fact, I believe that love is only expressed through giving. That giving is the action that demonstrates love. If there is no giving, there is no evidence that love exists. You know, this Christmas, um, our family and I, we decided we, um, we knew of a family that um, were just uh, struggling to make ends meet this Christmas, and we wanted to help them out. So we sat with our kids. This was a couple of weeks ago, and Casey and I, we sat with the kids, and we said, hey, listen, we've already bought you some presents, and we could probably buy you some more, but we want to help this family. But if we're going to help this family, this family that we love, if we're going to help them, then we're not going to be able to buy you any more gifts. The money we were going to use to buy some more gifts, we're going to use for them instead. So, so what do you guys think? And all of them were like, absolutely. We want to do that. We want to show our love by giving. So I wonder if you've had an opportunity to do something like that as a family this Christmas. I wonder if you've had an opportunity, whether it was through our toy drive with Threads, Hope, and Love, or Operation Christmas Child. Maybe you gave some money towards H2Go that we're doing through Compassion to provide clean water to kids in uh, countries where they don't have access to clean water. You know, that's still continuing on. You can still give to that. And next, next weekend we'll be meeting on Christmas Eve and you can continue to give to that H2Go campaign. Maybe you gave to the Connect Center. We are so grateful for all of those who have given uh, to our $25,000 campaign for the Connect Center. We are almost there. We've got a couple of weeks left, and we are almost there. 
But however you've shown love through giving this Christmas season, I'd encourage you, maybe sit down with your family and just talk about that. Talk about how great it is to show love for others by giving. You know, as your kids grow up, they'll remember those times. They'll remember those times that the greatest way to demonstrate love was through giving. But on top of demonstrating his love for us through giving us his son Jesus, God also went further and and showed us the measure by which he was to give. You know, it's not just the fact that we show love by giving. We, We also show the measure of our love by how much we give. So how much did God love us? Well, he gave us his only son. This Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus in a manger. But actually, this was the opening chapter of a story that ended in God sending that son to die for us. Emmanuel, God with us. That baby in a manger grew up to be a man who died on a cross. That's the measure of God's love for us, that he would send his only son. And you know, the truth is that, that Jesus, he wasn't a robot in this. He wasn't, wasn't out of his control. He himself, as a human being, had free will. In fact, this is kind of more of an Easter sermon, but, but we read in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Jesus was praying in those last days before his crucifixion. He said, he went on a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father... If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. John 3.16 talks of God's love for us. But 1 John 3.16, it talks of the measure of God's love in that Jesus did this willingly. 1 John 3.16 says that we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That is the measure of God's love for us. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to grasp that kind of measure. What would that look like to give up your life for someone like that? You know, I recently saw a movie, maybe some of you have seen it, Hacksaw Ridge. Fantastic movie about um, a true story about a soldier in the Second World War who who didn't believe uh, that he should hold a rifle, didn't believe he should shoot the enemy, but did believe that he wants to serve his country and and as a medic protect his, his fellow soldiers. And there's an amazing scene in the movie where um, the enemy is advancing and the soldiers retreat and there's a lot of soldiers left injured on the battlefield. And this guy, this, this hero of the story, he runs out one by one and he drags these people to safety. And again and again and again, he risks his life. And there's this scene where he prays and says, God, just give me the strength to reach one more. Just help me, God, rescue one more. And watching that movie, it was just a glimpse of what sacrificial love looks like. What it looks like to to be willing to risk your life for others. And that's what God did for us in sending Jesus. He gave up his son for us. You know, when we look at that, we learn that God loves us in this way. This series we've been in the last few weeks is Love Gives. And this week, I want to focus on the idea that love gives more. Love gives more. God gave so much more for us when he gave his son Jesus. Way more than we could ever give in return. Way more than we could ever understand. Love gives more. So this morning, I want to challenge all of you. And in return, I believe that God wants us to give more. He wants us to give more. So so what does that look like? How does it look for us to give more? 
Maybe you're thinking, well, if I was to measure my love by, by how much God loved me, that would mean giving up my life. Is that what you're asking? Well, the truth is, when we talk a minute about, about how we are to give up more, what we are to give up, then giving up our lives might actually be a little bit easier. Because if you see, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, we have a love that has transformed our lives. We have a love inside us that has transformed our lives. And we have a love, that means, that can transform our world. That love can be used to transform our world. So how can we do that? Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. Now, this wasn't a new command, okay? For, for hundreds, thousands of years, people knew that this was a command from God to love one another. This wasn't really a new command at all. But here's how Jesus explains how this is a new command. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus is saying, not only are you to love one another, but you are to love one another as I have loved you. Jesus gave more. He gave more love. He gave his life for us. And in the same way, that's how he wants us to love others in our lives. He talks about what that looks like. It's a very challenging passage, and it's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 41. He says, You heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. You see, I think we're all okay when it comes to giving love. As long as it's kind of the minimum possible requirement. We do that a lot, don't we? We always look for the, the minimum requirement. What can I do and, and get away with it? What, how far can I go and still be okay? How fast can I drive before I'll get a ticket? How much junk can I eat before my heart gives in? How, how little can I study and yet still pass the test? Just, just hit that pass mark. We do that, don't we? And I think sometimes we maybe do it when it comes to love as well. How much, how much do I need to love and still be okay? If I'm a follower of Jesus, how much should I love and, and then I can be okay? How much time should I serve and, and that be acceptable? But then Jesus goes and messes everything up, doesn't he? And he presents this, this whole second mile idea. Here's what the second mile idea looks like. So, so in this culture where Jesus is writing... Roman soldiers, they would, they would travel from area to area. They would carry these big, heavy packs with all their supplies and, and everything they needed to, to live life as a soldier. These packs were probably 50, 60, even 70 pounds. And there was actually a law. There was an understanding in that time where a soldier could stop at any point and ask any citizen to carry his pack for one mile. So you could be out just one day, just kind of minding your own business, and the soldier would come up next to you and say, Hey, you. Carry my pack for me for the next mile. And you had to do it. That was the law. And it cost you. In fact, it cost you a lot because this wasn't a, a one-mile journey. This was a two-mile journey because you had to walk a mile with this guy and then walk a mile all the way back. 
So you're carrying this big, heavy bag for one mile and then carrying it all the way back. I don't know if you've ever carried a 50 or 60 pound backpack, but it's not easy. It's not comfortable. I'm in charge of buying the cat litter at Walmart. It's a big, heavy box that I have to get into the car, and then when I get to the car, I have to load it in the van, and, and it's hard work carrying it in and out, and it's probably only like about 15, 20 pounds. So you imagine having to carry that, that 50, 60-pound backpack on your back for a mile. And then Jesus comes along and says, you know what love really looks like? You want to know what it looks like for love to give more? It's not just carrying that backpack one mile. It's carrying it two miles. So these followers of Jesus are, are hearing this message, and, and this goes, and this just flies in the face of that culture. The Jewish people of that day deeply resented this humiliating law. They saw it as a, a sign of foreign domination and oppression. So just having to carry it one mile was something they despised. And here's Jesus saying, you want to know what love looks like? Love gives more. Love carries it not just one mile, but two miles. So you imagine what it must have been like for that Roman soldier. You imagine if, if that Roman soldier just happened to pick upon a follower of Jesus and says, you, I want you to carry this backpack for the next mile. And, and as they walk a mile, they get to the point. He goes, okay, you're done. And, and this person says, you know what? Let's go another. Let's, let's do another mile. I, I want to carry it another mile for you. What kind of impact would that have had upon that soldier? To have to carry that weight another mile. And then to walk two miles back afterwards. But you imagine what it would have felt like for that follower of Jesus. When he reached that second mile and he took that weight off of his back. And as he walked back to his home or wherever it was he was. Free of that weight, just feeling the, the power, feeling the, the pleasure of knowing the love that he'd showed. And you imagine the impact it would have had on that soldier. I wonder what kind of conversations took place during that second mile. When that soldier said, why? Why would you carry this any more than you have to? Well, let me tell you about this man named Jesus. He's changed my life. He's changed who I am. His teachings have, have revolutionized the way I think. His teachings have set me free from my sin and my guilt and my shame. And he's challenged us as his followers to, to show his love to others by not just doing the bare requirements, not doing the bare minimum, but to go over and above and show love to others. What kind of impact would that have had on that Roman soldier? I wonder how many of those, those Roman soldiers learned more about Jesus in that second mile than they ever would in that first mile. You see, by carrying that pack an extra mile, it not only showed him the love of God, it opened up an opportunity to tell him about Jesus. I wonder how many soldiers became followers of Jesus themselves on that second mile. So I want to ask you the question this morning, what if the opportunity for people to find and discover Jesus exists more often in the second mile than the first mile. Because love gives more. 
That second mile thinking, the idea that love gives more, that's that second mile thinking. The problem is we live in a first mile world, don't we? We live in a world where we want to go one mile. We'll do what's required. We'll do what's expected. But that's as far as we want to go. And I think this Christmas, Jesus is wanting to remind us that, that he gave more, that love gives more. And if we're followers of Jesus, we should be giving more love as well in every area of our life. And in doing so, we go against the grain of the first mile world in which we live. It's a world of rights and responsibilities, a world of basic criteria and minimum standards. So what does it mean to go the second mile? What does that look like in our lives? I think a, a, a loving, giving love in a, a second mile way is rising above the desire to strike back or get even. That's tough, isn't it? To rise above the desire to strike back or to get even. We want to get justice. We want to get even. But Jesus is saying, no, that's, that's first mile thinking. Second mile is, is giving more love, showing more grace. How about this, this second idea, that it means to be slow to anger and quick to forgive. If you want to give more love this Christmas season, then ask God to help you to become slow to anger and quick to forgive. This third idea is that it means to extend grace in the face of the unfair. You know, sometimes we can be in situations where it's just not fair. And to extend grace in those situations, to extend grace in the face of, of unfairness, that's giving more love. Love gives more. And Jesus wants to, to demonstrate our love for our friends, for our neighbors, for our work colleagues, to show more love, to give more love. Why? Because he said, didn't he, that when we love one another as he has loved us, in John 13, 35, it says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love gives. You can give without love, but you cannot love without giving. So I want to challenge you this Christmas. Look for ways to give more love to family members, friends, people in need around you. Look for ways to say, I, just want, I don't want to just give the minimum. I want to give more love. As a follower of Jesus, I want to demonstrate God's love. He gave me so much more than I can ever give back. So I want to give more love this season. I'm going to close with this last story now. We, uh, we have a great guy in the church. He's been coming here for several years now. And for the last three years he's done this, he's come to me and he said, Dave, um, at Christmas time, I want to help a family in need this Christmas. And he's given us um, you know, a significant gift financially. He says, I want this to go towards a family or a few families that connect who maybe are struggling this Christmas. And here's why he does this. He, he himself, many years ago, found himself on hard times. He actually lost his job uh, in the season leading up to Christmas. He and his family were struggling uh, during that time. And Christmas, maybe as it is for some of you this morning, it was going to be a tough time. But some people in his church kind of got around him, and they supported him, and they loved him, and they bought him some groceries, and they bought some gifts for his kids. And he told me it was a really difficult time for him. He'd been somebody who was used to giving, so receiving, it was, it was humbling. It was difficult to receive those gifts. 
But he said in that moment, something changed in his life. As people in his life gave more love to him, it changed who he was. He told me his faith with God grew. His relationship with God grew. It changed the way that he loved others. In fact, he said, I'm going to make a commitment that I know this is a temporary setback. I know there'll be a day where I'm back on my feet. And I want to do this for others when I can in the future. Well, years have gone by now, and now he finds himself with a good job and and an ability to be able to help others. So every year for the last three years at Connect, he has come to me with a check, and he says, I want to help families at Connect. And what I love about this individual and and what he does is he doesn't just give the, the gift. He also gives a letter that he passes along to these families. And I asked him if he'd let me uh, read a couple of paragraphs from this letter. I want to close out by reading this this morning. In this letter, he tells his story about what happened to him. And he says, every year I remember my times back then. I remember letting God back into my life. I remember being humbled. I remember what the season of giving is all about. I remember what it's like to be in trouble. And I remember having to receive from others. It's very hard. And this is what I'd like to say. Don't thank me. Thank God. Thank those around you that also are in the midst of turmoil by simply showing love. Thank God for the things that are in your life that are the most important. But I do ask this. It's hard to imagine right now, but it will be better. When you're looking back at this holiday season in six months or a year, give. Give your love. Give your time. Give your strength. Give to someone that needs a little or a lot. I'm just telling you that God loves every one of you so much. And giving is one aspect of serving him. You know, I actually think that giving is one aspect of serving him. But this Christmas, I want you to consider the idea that love gives more. So how can you give more love to those around you this Christmas? And in honor of the great love that God gave us through sending Jesus, as a follower of Jesus this morning, how can I give more to those around me. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you gave such a great gift in Jesus. We think about those gifts the wise men brought, and really, as expensive and lavish as they were, they were incomparable to the price it cost you, the gift that you gave us in giving up your life for us. So God, this Christmas, help us as followers of Jesus to demonstrate our love, to show your love that you have for others by looking for ways to give more in our lives, not just to meet the minimum requirement, but to look for a second mile opportunity of somehow that we can give and show love, second mile love, because love gives more. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.